at the Edge, powered by PointsBet here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. We hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. As you can kind of see if you're watching our YouTube version, Drew's in Hawaii right now, living the dream, picking winners, drinking vintage fried ties. We'll get into the latter in just a bit. I'm just your host, Sarah Perlman, doing the show from Florida this week. Um, but on today's show, Corey Parson is back with us. He's going to break down Sunday's action in the NFL, including the Bucks, Colts and Vikings 49ers game. And it is a holiday weekend, but it's also Friday. And that means there are big college football rivalries this weekend. Drew and I are going to handicap Ohio State, Michigan, and some other games, including my Florida Gators taking on Florida State. We also have our edge of the day and so much more coming up here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, like I said, you're in Hawaii. You are picking winners. You had an incredible Thanksgiving football slate. You did quite well. Let's go through that just a little bit with the Bears beating the Lions 16 to 14. That was a split game in terms of good for the public and good for the book because 72% of the handle was on the Bears minus three. They didn't cover that, but a good chunk of the handle came in on the under 41 and a half. Never a doubt. Seems like you had some success on that game. Yeah, no, that one was good. It, uh, everybody who got the best of the closing number there on Detroit, which was there was a lot of sharp action that came in on Detroit at three and a half, again at three. There was even some some late steam at two and a half down to two. Basically, all the good numbers in that one came home, which were huge. And as you mentioned, the under was a really strong position for a lot of the players. 41 never really threatened in that game. So, you know, not the best way to kick off Thanksgiving from an entertainment standpoint. Not sure Matt Nagy did enough to really secure his future in Chicago, beating the Lions at a last second field goal. And uh, really... You know, the Lions find amazing ways to kind of choke away games. I don't think they deserved it. I think that was the right result that uh, Chicago won. But in my heart, I was kind of hoping Dan Campbell would get his first and maybe only win of the season on Thanksgiving. Ultimately, not to be. I was kind of with you rooting for the Detroit Lions to get that first win. But can't pull it through on Thanksgiving. Curious how many Mai Tais you had to watch that game early in the morning on Hawaii time. I didn't watch any of it. I didn't watch any of it. Just picked winners and went surfing. Good for you. Okay, the Raiders beat the Cowboys, as we know, 36 to 33 in overtime. I was one Dak Prescott rushing touchdown away from a lot of money, but you know what? We move on. I still love Dak. That's the truth. This game was incredible for points bet. They're probably thanking everybody, including myself, that liked the Cowboys. I didn't like the seven and a half, but um, early action obviously pushed this number over the touchdown. And most of the money was on the Dallas Cowboys, America's team yesterday. 76% of the money line on the Cowboys. Over 63% was on the spread at seven and a half. And actually a lot of money came in on the under. That result, all being said, amazing for the sports book. Uh, the Raiders came through in a big way. I think, Drew, you liked the Raiders in that spot. I did not have a ton of action besides feeding Zeke. It didn't happen. He was starving the entire game, and I was left wanting more from him. My rushing prop did not come home, and Cowboys took the loss, Drew. Yeah, weird flow to this game because of the way it was officiated. Um, some very, and honestly, like the fact that the, that the refs stole the show in terms of the narrative about the reaction to the game took away from two pretty important things, I think. One was that the Raiders gave you a very honest effort in that one. They're at full strength, basically. They're not really... Uh, you know, they, they weren't dealing with injuries the same way Dallas was. So it was surprising that the number was as big as it was. It never really made sense. Probably should have been about a three and a half, four. If they played that game again today, I think the market would settle well under a touchdown in terms of what fair price would be. But then the, uh, the, you know, the fact that the refs, again, stole the show from the talking points, kind of hiding the fact that Mike McCarthy made a couple really, really questionable decisions from a coaching standpoint, particularly in the fourth quarter. 
Uh, I thought he was, you know, he, he, he is kind of all season shown a randomness when it comes to, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to kick the field goal. I'm going to, you know, be aggressive. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to kind of, uh, you know, try to play for the clock, play for field position. It didn't make sense at all in this spot to try to, you know, to play for overtime at the end of the game. That offense was a machine in the fourth quarter. Why they didn't just continue to go with the aggressive passing that Dak made look so easy. Uh, is really beyond me and uh, it doesn't really affect the Cowboys much they were you know they were probably going to be a two seed now maybe a three seed or a four seed they're still likely going to win the NFC East but um, this was an opportunity lost for them to really um, you know kind of build some confidence as we come late into the season here if they had gotten that comeback win. Without a doubt. Their defense has definitely come more into the defense we thought for the beginning of the season. It hurt them yesterday. A game that I want to say was huge for me, and I know you <laughs> like it too. Happy Thanksgiving and holiday season to the one, Buffalo Bills. I'm going back to the Bills Mafia. I will jump on a table uh, in the next few weeks. Not sure when. I'll film it, though, for everyone involved. Bills beating the Saints 31-6. to I laid the four. It didn't matter if you laid the six and a half at that point. Big win. Great game for the public and most of the betters. 86% of the money line came in on the Buffalo Bills and 75% of the spread handle did come in on the Bills even laying seven when this opened at four. Amazing for the Buffalo Bills. I am super excited about that game. Drew sent me a text last night with his whale, the whale that <laughs> Drudensic makes dressed in the Buffalo outfit and that's enough to get me going for the week. So <laughs> Buffalo and only Buffalo and I'm hoping to continue that late game into all of our week 12 plays. This is your edge of the day. Buffalo Bills, congratulations. Even 31-6 didn't feel like a fair total. And this could have been 49 to 6 for all I could have told you. I know. And it could have been. I didn't have a play on the total, so I didn't care what the final score was. As long as they won by, you know, 4 to 20 points, I don't care. So thank you to the Buffalo Bills for starting my weekend off right. The NFL season is in full swing in the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by points, but as you covered with Sunday Night 7, we're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night through the rest of the regular season. It's free. It's easy to play. So predict what will happen between the Browns and Ravens for a chance to win. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. One million up for grabs. Incredible. Let's break down week 12. Corey Parsons jumping on the show. We broke down some of the games with Corey. He was on the show on Wednesday. Corey, good to see you yet again. We went head to head on a few games. I know the Saints and Bills games, and now it's the 49ers and Vikings, and I'm hoping we're on the same side. I know this is a game you're targeting. I played the Vikings plus three and a half. And really their offense, I think has come together. We saw that versus the Packers last week. They put up 27 plus points over the last three weeks. Now they're taking on a very good 49ers defense. That's kind of come out of nowhere and been really handicapped for myself and Drew to bet on throughout the season. So 49ers playing the Vikings on Sunday, week 12. What do you have on this one? Well, you know, Sarah, happy Thanksgiving, Drew, happy Thanksgiving. Not really the best day for us Dallas Cowboy fans yesterday, but ready to get back on the horse and, you know, and give it a ride through the end of the season. With that being said, Sarah, I hate to come across negatively when I say this, but the, this game right here is a trap I didn't want to fall into. And that trap was better than the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> because I think we look at a situation where the Vikings coming off a strong win last week. We know how terrible the 49ers have been at home. Not to mention, we also know how bad the 49ers have been when they have been favorites. And now you got the 49ers at home sitting as favorites. I'm going to go ahead and back to San Francisco 49ers on this one. I'm going to lay the three. I know it's very, it's, it's, it's a very nasty play. How's up to three and a half now? Like you're getting the Vikings with the hook. 
that to me is like the ultimate fade the trendy underdog. <laughs> I'm gonna fade the Vikings in this spot right here and lay it with the 49ers. I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I apologize. I hate to start my weekend like this, Corey, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I stepped into the trap personally. I, I like the matchup for the wide receivers against the uh, secondary for the Niners, but not my favorite play on the card. There are a couple other ones that you highlighted here that uh, I strongly agree with you on, and I can't wait to break down this next one. Uh, let's go to Mile High. Let's talk about uh, this matchup between the uh, Chargers and the Broncos. Chargers obviously have not really re- lived up to expectation this season in terms of wins, in terms of covers. They get a you know a gritty win uh, last week, uh, but you know could not cover the closing number against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you make of their matchup here against Denver? Are you surprised this is under a field goal, or do you think that the total is a better angle of attack? I'm looking at the total as a better angle of attack for this one. The ATS, this one is the hard game to handicap right here. If I had to pick a side uh, against the spread, it would be the Denver Broncos, and I'm not real comfortable doing that. But I'm just coming down to this game as we're looking at two teams that are very familiar with each other, obviously playing in the same division um, with the Chargers and, and the Broncos. So you get that division dog and you get that division dog late in the season. That also plays to a division under and a division under late in the season. Total in this one opened up at 49 has come down to 48. So I think you still can get the best of the number uh, in this contest right here. And you also you're looking at two teams where I believe the Denver Broncos are something like four and one to the under at home, and the Chargers are like 4-1 and one to the under on the road. So I think this sets up perfectly to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I do like your side on this. Denver unders have been red hot this season, 8-2 and two to the under for Denver. I know you kind of lean towards the Broncos, and that makes sense with your analysis on the total. I took the Chargers, talked about it on Blitzing the Board. That's up on Peacock through Sunday. I just think they're the better team, the better quarterback. Nothing Denver's offense has done as of late have been impressive. So I do think the Chargers get it done, but I like where the money's coming in on your side with the under. Here's a game that I love. Jay Croucher always comes on our Blitzing the Board as well. We talked about a game that he thinks there could be some value, and he gave out the Texans last week, came on and said, I like the Buccaneers laying three. That's fascinating because obviously the Colts are coming off of a huge win that made us a lot of money last week against the Buffalo Bills. Now the Bucs playing in cold weather, laying just three points here, Corey. Is it the side or the total that intrigues you in this one? Well, it's definitely the side that intrigues me in this one. Very similar to the Tampa Bay game against the Minnesota Vikings, where I think everybody's going to be all over the Indianapolis Colts. I've actually, in the past couple of minutes, I've actually seen one shot post Indianapolis plus three and a half. So when I saw that, I definitely felt very good about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because everybody's going to try to grab that Colts plus three and a half number. Obviously, see how well the Colts are playing, how well Jonathan Taylor has been playing as of late. But when you have Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's what they do best is stop the run. They unleash that defensive line. And now you got Carson Wentz going up against Tom Brady. It's a no-brainer for me. I'm going with Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Drew, I'm curious if you have a play on this game. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you guys more. I, I didn't. Uh, I haven't kept, caught uh, blitzing the board yet. I was going to watch it on the Peacock reruns. On uh, you know, as as we get closer to the weekend here, I'm psyched that Jay is also on this play. So we've got a consensus here. Tampa Bay is the right side. You know, and, and I think it boils down to what Corey mentioned. Number one, which is Tampa Bay's defense is perfectly strength to stop the only thing that Indianapolis does well, which means for Indianapolis to win, for Indianapolis to cover. This comes down to Carson Wentz's arm and Carson Wentz's brain. And I'm perfectly happy taking Tom Brady uh, instead of, uh, you know, being on the Colts in this one. Uh, of course, Tom Brady also has made uh, kind of a, he's made his career dissecting defenses like at the Indianapolis Colts defense. He's going to have absolutely no problem carving this uh, 
uh, carving those turkeys. So this is a uh, Tom, Tom Brady uh, by a billion. Yeah. We've seen when you take Jonathan Taylor out of the game, what it does for this offense and the bucks are perfectly capable and ready to do so. Corey, we're all in the same play rooting for Tom, which is not hard to do if you like Tom Brady lane three versus the Indianapolis Colts. Corey's on Twitter at the fantasy exec, and he has tons of more in-depth breakdowns of just how he's attacking the week 12 card on NBC sports Happy you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, Corey. We will talk to you soon. All right, and thanks a lot. I want everybody to head on over at 11.30 a.m. Eastern and join us on Twitter for our college football spaces. Myself, Vaughn Dalzell, and Eric Froton getting ready for rivalry weekend. So definitely come on out there and rock with us. Thanks a lot, you guys. I'm going to head on to that right after we finish up because I need some help. It's Black Friday. I need money in my pocket. It's a lot of gifts to get through us to pay off this expensive vacation that he's on in Hawaii. So we're going to have to have a lot of plays available. We appreciate you guys listening to us here on Bat the Edge. Wherever you're listening, rate the podcast, sign up. A lot of actionable information given out here every single weekday. 30 minutes or less. You know the deal. These lines are crazy. They move quickly. Watch us live. Gain an edge with us. Yeah, this is, uh, as, as mentioned by Corey, this is rivalry weekend in college football, which means, uh, you know, the margins are going to be narrow. The, uh, the games are going to be exciting. If you've got tips, hit us up on Twitter. You reach out to me at whale underscore Kaffer, and you can find Sarah at Sarah Pearl. Drew, I don't know if it's it's your Rosby voice. You're a little tired <laughs> behind you, but I feel like anything you say right now, myself and listeners are just going to listen. So I'll have to ask you about this one here. It's Ohio State playing Michigan. Let's break down some college football. Then we could jump on and listen to Corey and the guys get to it. Ohio State laying seven and a half. I've actually seen a lot of books get to the eight. So money's pouring in on Ohio State. They are playing Michigan. Ohio State, this is fascinating, has won eight straight games versus Michigan. Yes, Ohio State has now been the more dominant team for the last five, six, seven years, but that's a long streak. And now they're laying close to eight points. CJ Stroud is now the Heisman favorite. He's up for a good day. I don't think Michigan's ready for this Ohio State offense, but the hook is on this number. What is your feeling on this spread getting ready for rivalry weekend, Drew? It's a little high, I got to say. I, I mean, I'm surprised it's continuing to tick up. I have not seen a lot of appetite in the market uh, for people laying this number uh, across the sharper players in the college football space. Uh, I think people make this a little under a touchdown. And the fact that it was, you know, that there's a little bit of a favorite tax here, considering Ohio State has won so many of these games in a row is not a shocker. Ultimately, I'm expecting a, a narrow, a hard-fought Ohio State win uh, I think this is probably a one-score game. And so if you made me take a side, I'm taking the points with Michigan Wolverines here. I think you brought up all the key aspects of the handicap. As you know, C.J. Stroud had a very unusually slow and un- it, just an uncomfortable start to the season. He didn't look like he really had the full playbook you know, down to that point. He was airmailing passes because he seemed afraid to make the big mistake. They lose that game to Oregon largely because his play was so unspectacular. But then down the stretch, he has been a completely different player. He is absolutely dynamic, both in the pocket and out of the pocket. It's been a very cool progression to see him really emerge and you know what that staff has done to develop him as a prospect. And, uh, you know, he's reasonably, uh, you know, in the conversation right now for the Heisman Trophy. A little bit of pressure <laughs> because if you know, lose this game, you not only take yourself out of the running for the college football playoff, but you also... Uh, you know, take the Heisman Trophy candidacy out of, you know, out of contention as well. So fascinated to see if he comes out and gives you just an, an outstanding effort or if there's if there's a little bit of nerves, particularly in the first half here. I don't know that this totally. is kind of the, the the general feeling I get here is that Michigan may look good early. Michigan first half money line is probably something that I'll tickle. 
Uh, and then um, I guess, uh, are we seeing that the market is, as we're speaking, ticking down to seven? Michigan money finally showed up. Yeah, Michigan money is showing up. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Waiting to get the best number available. They got the hook. Some places had eight. Now yeah. it's coming back down to seven. CJ Stroud really quickly, kind of as you said, he was phenomenal against Michigan State. I looked up his stats really quickly. 432 yards and six touchdowns against the <laughs> Spartans. So a little bit of a tax on him now to be the Heisman favorite. How he comes out against Michigan will be fascinating. Michigan, obviously, kind of known for their really solid pass rush this season. But I think Ohio State comes out on top. Seven and a half, too many. Now we're seeing money come in on Michigan. But I'm not involved in this game. But I will be because I'm making jokes. And it's not even jokes at this point. Holiday <laughs> is coming around, Drew. And uh, we want winners only. So if anyone else has a play on this game, please let us know. Last note here, adjusted Thor line. If you want to go on, you can see the rest of his adjusted Thor lines on NBCSportsEdge.com from Thor Nystrom. His model is showing a lot of value on taking the dog here. He has Ohio mm. State laying just three and a half in this yeah. matchup. This is also the first time they're playing each other as top five teams since 2016. So this will be a great game. A lot to look forward to this weekend, Drew. But a game that I have my eyes on, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, where Okie State is favored by four points. And that's pretty in line with Thor's model as well. He has Oklahoma State favored by 4.3 points. Total 49 and a half for this game, a little bit lower than expected. What say you on this? Are you involved in this college game? I'm shocked that this is as big a number as it is for Oklahoma State. Uh, Bedlam is always usually played pretty tight. It's uh, usually a, a, a game where I just blindly take the dog, so I guess I'm on Oklahoma this time around. Uh, the total is amazingly low, too. 49.5 for a game between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State just doesn't feel right. Like That feels too low. But these teams, you know, and particularly Oklahoma State's defense last week, really showed out. They're playing with confidence. They're at full strength. They, you know, everybody's healthy. Everybody's playing well. So, again, should be a good game likely decided by whoever has the ball last you know realistically yes. um, this could go to overtime as well so i'm not going to get involved in the total here even at the at the low total of 49 and a half it lean under but because of the because of the uh, uh the likelihood that we get some high scoring in the second half uh, i'm going to back off here oklahoma dogger pass really for me what about you uh, I think I'd lead Dogger pass if you just think about the importance of this game because the winner of Oklahoma State in Oklahoma probably becomes, you know, the conference favorite and then more likely to earn a spot in the college football playoff just looking at the board right now. So obviously if they could win the Big 12 championship and then they finish the season 12 and 1. So there's a lot of playoff implications in this game as well. I would take the Dogger pass. It's such an important game. Um, you're getting over that key number of three in college football, of course, and in football in general. I would probably take the underdog, but I'm kind of rooting for Oklahoma State in this one. Not a huge fan of Oklahoma this season. They have not covered early on and burned me a few times. So I do think I like Oklahoma State to win, but I'd probably take the points or you say dog or pass. Here's the game that I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to talk about it, Drew. That's the thing, but we have to. It's Florida State in Florida. Our producer Adam, he's a uh, a fan of Tennessee, so I knew he put this on the game because he wanted to hit me where it hurts. And <laughs> Let's break down this game. Been to this game. Super fun. Florida, they have the advantage at home at the Swamp right now. They're laying three points. It's a huge rivalry game. It's a lot of fun. Big tailgates. It's loud. It's crazy. And right now, if you look across the board, Florida are laying the three points. As I mentioned, they lead the all-time series by 10, 36, 26, and 2. I'm not touching this game because then it would just be an emotional handicap. So it's not fair for me to evaluate this through. So if I asked you to not hurt my feelings, but pick a winner, who would you put in this one? 
Yeah, we talked about this a little bit with our guy, Zach, on Tuesday, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought he made a fair case at that time for Florida State plus the three and a half. Uh, not surprised to see it move into three. At this point, I would not take Florida State plus three. I think this is a fair price. I think Florida gets the win. I'm hoping Florida gets the win just because I think, you know, realistically, as you mentioned off the uh, off the top there, this is for a bowl spot. And Florida plays amazingly entertaining bowl games. Florida State does not. And so I would much rather see Florida sneak into a good bowl. They'll give them a good matchup. The Florida fans travel, so it's usually a great atmosphere. So uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, Florida gets the win, punches their ticket to a bowl. You know, and, and again, when we broke this down on Tuesday, we talked a little bit about Florida firing their coach. Does that give, you know, the players, do they turn you know, turn, give you an honest effort in that moment? Do they kind of, you know, snap, does that snap them out of it and they all play their best game of the season? Or is this, a, oh, well, the season's over, coach is gone, I'm going to, you know, prepare for either transfer or NFL or whatever. Uh, and that's a little bit of a murky question. And I think that's supporting some of the players who came in early and got Florida State plus the hook. And uh, uh, at this point, if it ticks down to two and a half, I'll have to get involved with Florida. Yeah, I'll be curious to see about the later action in this game, if even Dan Mullen not being there anymore, as you mentioned, being fired last week after the loss to Missouri, how it affects these players, not only now, but throughout the rest of the season, if they make the bowl game and then heading into the futures market for the next college football season. I'm not touching this game. I mentioned it. If you have a winner, send it to Drew. I'm not invested. I'm already sad in the Florida season being done. I hope they make a bowl game. I'll leave it at that. A reminder for everyone watching and listening, this week's NBC Sports is celebrating 100 days to the Winter Paralympics. Make sure to tune in on NBC and Peacock when the games begin March 4th. Now, I keep telling you that Drew's in Hawaii. I am not lying. You cannot see the, the background of the beautiful beach. You can find that on his Twitter at the whale underscore capper. But he's been giving winners, and I was not being facetious while being out there. You talked about some NBA plays when you were on the show on Tuesday. You gave out a bonus play for Wednesday. So you have been killing it all the way out west. So we're looking now at the NBA slate for today. Saw your model numbers a little bit earlier, but tell me what offers the most value right now that you find interesting for tonight. Yeah, the day after Thanksgiving is always a little weird in the NBA. If you are a regular day, if you're a daily- Weird for all of us. Black Friday is a weird day, no doubt. Yes, the uh, the overall spirit of NBA betting on Friday is always a little weird. I don't know why there's more important games on Thursdays and Saturdays, maybe. And so you get some questionable effort at times, and that may give you some funny results on Fridays. We have a lot of people have a saying in the NBA community about how funky Friday is. But, um, you know, this this is even more so because a lot of these, you know, nobody played yesterday. And in general, you have some weird effort uh, that comes you know, off of uh, a full day off uh, in the NBA. There are some advantage spots, however, when it comes to rest. We talked all week about the Phoenix Suns, you know, going through their hell week this week. They did not cover against the Spurs on Monday. We backed the Spurs. That was a, that was a sweat, but ultimately, I think the right side took the Cavaliers on Wednesday. Cavaliers probably should have won. The Suns now take the floor against the Knicks in the Garden tonight. Knicks completely rested. Suns getting towards the end of this road trip, starting to get very fatigued. Uh, and then also the uh, Suns potentially looking ahead to tomorrow's matchup against the Nets, who are also fully rested. 
um, you know, that's your potential NBA finals, in my opinion. I think that's your two, your two NBA finalists. And so this is a, not a great spot <laughs> to be a three and a half point favorite. If you're Phoenix, uh, I think the Knicks get the cover. I think the Knicks get the win. Knicks haven't played amazingly impressive basketball this season. Julius Randle's taken some meaningful steps backwards in terms of uh, his offensive efficiency in particular. Uh, a lot of that, in my opinion, has to do with the way that Thibodeau is rotating him on the floor with a couple of bigs. Spacing's not quite as good as it ought to be. So he's, you know, forcing some shots and some parts of the, uh, of the floor, he, you know, he wouldn't otherwise be uh, uh, be trying to attack. However, this is a nice matchup for Julius Randle to get right. Phoenix does not have a great defensive stopper for him in terms of size, in terms of strength. So um, this is a good, uh, good spot for the Knicks to get the win. Uh, I'm going to take the Knicks plus the three and a half points. And if you want to sprinkle a little money line, uh, that's a, a good way to, to buy a, a little extra Christmas present as well once the, uh, the Knicks pull off the upset. Okay, good. We can get involved in Black Friday a little bit later in the night when this comes home. I love this play. You've had a really good read on the Phoenix Suns, whether you're tailing them or now fading them. Quite a few fades now throughout the week against the spread. Knicks, as you kind of said, coming off of two days rest, this could be huge. They obviously had a big win against the Lakers. They had time to kind of let that settle, or now it's not a fading them spot after a big win. So I love it. I'm with you. Give me the Knicks plus three and a half. Our model, I know your personal model and our model on NBCSportsEdge.com that you can get access to also likes your side. I can't wait to hear your, your opinion on the game that I'm going to. It's the Rams okay. and Packers. Why is the money coming against me? I don't care about Aaron Rodgers' toe situation for this total. He had a hurt toe. He still put up 30-plus points against the Vikings. That's pushing this number down. I do agree with the money coming in on the Rams side. But the total, I played it over 47.5. There's a better number if you like the over. It's now sitting at 47. People are scared because Aaron Rodgers hasn't practiced all week. If you listen closely in the Between the Line kind of interviews going on with Matt LaFleur, just talking about he will have a regular kind of practice today and take a similar route with the Packers offense prior to when they played the Vikings. It's going to be something like that. Uh, what, what stands out to me in this one is really the defense is struggling lately. Went in depth about this, Drew, on blitzing the board. The Los Angeles Rams defense, yes, they can come out any minute and be elite, but they haven't. They've really struggled to get off the field over the last two weeks. They've allowed three out of four, four down, fourth down conversions, three touchdown drives of six plus minutes over the past few weeks. These teams familiar with each other in a lot of ways. Different quarterback, of course, last season, but it is a rematch of the 2020 NFC Divisional game where Green Bay was able to find a lot of success against this uh, defense for the Los Angeles Rams. On the other side, a lot of players injured, I know, on the Green Bay Packers. Matt Stafford, Sean McVay coming off of a bye. They'll be able to put up points after this Packers defense against the Vikings last week. Allowed over 400 yards and a 69% third down conversion rate against the Minnesota Vikings. Aaron Rodgers, regardless of his injury situation, I think he's going to create havoc with Devontae Adams and whoever they want to put at their running back for this one. And uh, the underperforming Rams defense, I think they'll be able to find a value there. And and I like the Rams offense to put up points. So yes, the money's coming against me. I love it. I'm taking over 47. Curious to hear what you think about my edge of the day. Well, I played the Rams here. Uh, I watched that press conference. I saw the toe. Toe didn't look good. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm an expert toeologist and I, I just, it didn't look like a good toe to me. Who so. goes to Hawaii <laughs> two times over the last few months and all of a sudden. I know toes. Yeah, I, I can tell you, I know a COVID toe when I see one. He's got COVID toe. But in seriousness, though, I bet the Rams in this game on the money line when they were plus money. I still think their value as long as they're under minus two and a half or, you know, as long as you can get less than I would lay up to two and a half. I wouldn't lay three with the Rams. 
Most of my angle betting this game, though, was exactly your exact angle, which is the Rams are going to score 30-plus points in this contest. The Green Bay defense is wildly overmatched. This is a brutal matchup for them. I think uh, Cooper Cup has a day. I think Stafford gets right. I think this is a good opportunity for the Rams to kind of, you know, they, they've had some, some tricks up their sleeve whenever they've gone up against the elite competition in the NFC so far this season. We saw it against Tampa Bay in week three. I would expect a similar level of effort out of the Rams in this contest. They have some solid players. They're relatively healthy. I'm not worried about the Rams at all. I think the Rams get the win, and uh, shoot, they can get 47 by them damn selves. That's what I want to hear. The Rams can get a big win. Put up 30-plus points, we get an over. So I like over 47. I lean towards the Rams. Drew likes the Rams. Of course, more NFL plays available on Blitzing the Board. So happy everyone had a safe and wonderful Thanksgiving. Thanks for joining us on our YouTube channel. Be sure to check out NBCSportsEdge.com over the weekend for more information and picks to help you with your wagers throughout the next few days. We will be back on Monday. Please subscribe, rate the podcast. Best of luck with all of your plays. Drew live from Hawaii. I'm heading back to California. Everyone safe travels and have an amazing weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.